The Sporting Capital with Cam Luke. Cam Luke. Live on your home of sport, SEN. Warming up for the weekend, wherever you might be. Sporting Capital Thursday night, right across the SEN network. Brett Phillips about half hour away. Ali Dimonor on court at Roland Garros right now. Down a break in the first set. Trying to break back, get back on serve. So BP about half hour away. Kokonaka's got the job done over Ravinka last night. And as per Nicholas Kyrgios, just doing a wonderful job just to poke the bear. The ins and outs, we'll get to them shortly. But we're talking about the locks. The locks of the AFL season. It's the last time we'll be together for a Thursday for a little while. So one 736 736 $50 Carbra voucher up for grabs. Of course, La Carbra is the goat of Melbourne Mexican food and a $50 gift card from card.gift. You go to for Visa and MasterCard gift cards. Make sure you jump on card.gift. Cal is in Packenham. Cal, hello to you. Cam, the man. What's going on, brother? Uh, Thursday night, excited. Huge weekend of footy. I don't like buy rounds specifically, but big game tomorrow night, and I'm looking forward to what's going to be a great weekend, man. You got a lock for me, or you want to talk about the Ds specifically? Yeah, got a lock, Cam. Got a lock. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, at the minute, what, what are we, seven and four? Mm-hmm. The Ds are, you know, we're going about our business okay. However, you know, look, there's a few things we need to work, work on, no doubt. But... I think it's going to be a lot clearer um, come Queen, uh, King's birthday this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the lock is Melbourne don't match up well against the Pies. Mm-hmm. They've beaten us the last sort of few times now. They seem to sort of have the wood over us a little bit. Um, the lock is if we get up, lock Melbourne in for top two, finish. Mm-hmm. However, if we lose, oh, we, we could miss a top four, which, we, which could be... Could be pretty scary. So that's my lock, Cam. I reckon a lot, a lot's going to be said about um, the result come uh, Queen's uh, King's birthday. There is, n- there is no doubt it's a, it's going to be an interesting game. I do expect Melbourne to get through tomorrow night, and then of course we have the what are we nine, ten days before King's birthday and the MCG and the big freeze, which is always a wonderful, wonderful, and, and, and in those type of situations as well. Because it is such a huge spectacle and event, not just a football game, we do see some topsy-turvy results or teams be able to get themselves up a little bit. They are two of the most powerhouse teams in the league currently. We did say two years ago, but at the SCG and Nathan Buckley's last game where Collingwood were able to get it done and then last year, similar. So the big thing for me is, I'll throw you a lock for Melbourne. I I think they're fine. I think they're going okay. I know there's frustration. Fremantle were good last week, but so were Melbourne. So it's not like they were horrible. And the week before... They had a three-goal lead. Clayton Oliver does his hamstring and can't get near it in the last quarter due to injury. And then everyone tells me that Port Adelaide can win the flag. So sometimes I think, hang on a second, you can't tell me that Port Adelaide can win the flag and Melbourne can't when they're very evenly matched. I think Christian Petrarca will go forward at some point, and he's never done this, but I think that Christian Petrarca will kick five goals in a game. Second half of the year. And give a little... Extra string to the bow inside 50 for the Ds. Well, I think they do need a little bit. He's due, isn't he, Cam? Because, I mean, what's... I think the most he's ever kicked is maybe four, maybe? He, de- I, I, he definitely hasn't kicked five. So yeah, that, that, that I can tell you. Five, nah. 
Uh, and he, yeah. he played a lot of forward, of course, earlier in his career. Not when he's the player that he is now, no doubt. And I, I think that the Grundy-Gorn situation is still trying to work itself out. And there is no doubt that inside 50 is probably the major, the major weakness for the Melbourne Football Club. Now, in 2001, they were able to over, overcome all of that and were the best team in the league and proved it on grand final night. And last year, they ran out of tickets. But they also had a lead against Sydney in the first final and had a decent lead against Brisbane in the second final. So it's not like they got absolutely blown away. Great disappointment. And they probably aren't the team we all thought they were this time 12 months ago yet. But I also think that the best Melbourne this year is in the second half compared to the first half of last year. Yeah, absolutely spot on. It's almost like we flipped the script, haven't we, Cam? It's, um, we're finishing off games a lot stronger now yeah, I, than we were obviously last year. Now, uh, a lot of Melbourne fans that I talk about, and my man Benny Lyon out the back is pessimistic about the Ds, but I'm still fairly confident. I am not a D supporter, by the way, before the temper text machine fires on up, but I, I think there is no doubt their second half of the year will see a more indicative demon side than the one we've seen at different points. And they're still, what did you say they are? Seven and four. So, four. yeah, like, yep. yeah, now, have they played their best Could footy? Be nine and two, Probably eh? not. Really? They, they, there's an argument to say that, and, well, it's going to be a good second half of the year, regardless of which way it cuts up. Appreciate your call, man. Cheers, Ken. If I may, mate, yeah. uh, can I give you one more? If yeah, that's of course. Right? Absolutely. Just quickly off topic, game one tomorrow, I think heat, lock in heat for, for, for game one, yeah. only because they're running hot at the minute. I mean, look, obviously, they, they, they lost the three in a row. They got game seven, but... I just reckon they're just, they might be a little bit, uh, they might jump the gun a bit earlier than the Nuggets. The Nuggets haven't played for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if Jimmy Buckets gets up tomorrow, mate, for the, for the heat. Hey, it traditionally happens in the NBA. The team that is battle-hardened is able to come out and be very good in the, in the first game of a series. Of course, it's a long series. How does Miami go? The altitude in Denver, while well, they've sort of been sitting around for 10 days, but... Uh, Miami, it's interesting. I've picked them to lose. Well, I picked them to beat New York in the second series once they got into it, but I didn't expect them to beat Milwaukee and I didn't expect them to beat Boston. And I definitely didn't think they'd win game seven, but they did. Uh, I got Denver winning, but tomorrow a heat win would not stun me. Thank you, Cal, on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Steve is in Melbourne. Steve, hello to you. G'day. How are you there? Good, my man. You got luck for me? Well, I've sort of got a lock, but not a lock. It seems to be that uh, Collingwood's locked the premiership flag in 2023. Um, could the Collingwood lock be an unlock on grand final day? Go on. Well, it seems as though um, shelf's already been dusted and they've got the flag. There's still four months to go and anything can happen. And... Um, you know, stranger things have happened in footy. So firstly, I agree. Strange things do happen in footy, and the best team doesn't always necessarily win the premiership at the end of the year. In fact, if we look at Richmond, they won three flags, never finishing on top, and their most dominant home and away season, they lost, ironically, to the team we're talking about here on that Friday night at the MCG. I, I think Collingwood are the best team in it, currently and if I had to say who's going to win the premiership I would say most certainly Collingwood but we are also as you point out in a situation where it's very open very even 
You can make legitimate cases for both Brisbane and Port Adelaide. You can make a legitimate case at different points for Melbourne, even though they're a little stop off it right now. So um, the thing with that is, this is the best thing about SEN and Talkback Radio and TV shows about football and social media. It's the passionate fans and people like me who's able to give an opinion and get excited about certain teams. Well, inside the four walls, they haven't won a premiership since 2010. And prior to that, it had been a long time. So I have no doubt that Darcy Moore and Craig McRae and the crew aren't getting ahead of themselves. So I wouldn't say that they are thinking they've won the flag, even though there are others outside where it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, like it's never um, really come up. But, um, you know, stranger things have happened. And it looks as though everything's perfect. They're all giggling and laughing. If they do win the flag, it will be unquestionably an outstanding season for the Collingwood Footy Club. No, absolutely no doubt. No, no doubt at all. And I think any time a team wins a premiership, it is an outstanding season. Steve, I appreciate your call. I will just, Look, I'm just thinking this off top of my head. I, Hawthorne... I have to go back and check this. I think that they only finished on top in 2014. That was that dynasty. You know, Geelong won three flags in a short period of time as well. They finished on top in 07 and 08 where they lost. 09 they didn't. 2011 they didn't. I don't think Brisbane finished on top once in their three flags as well. Like, we do see it. The way that the system is set up and the structure of the finals, which is 100% the right way to go about it, there is, there, there is no doubt that things can happen on prelim night or on grand final day because we've only got the one game. But there is no doubt, very, very, very slim, not a great deal of margin, but right now the best team in it is Collingwood, in my opinion. Glenn's in Point Cook. Glenn, hello to you. How are you, mate? Good, mate. What do you What do you got? So I got I got a lock for the good and the lock for the bad. So no good is the heat. They're no good. I'll, I'll lose. Um, <laughs> no good is no good is Demonor. As much as we love him as an Australian, he's no good. Uh, Kokonakis, no good. No good. Won't get very far at all. Good though. I'll tell you the good is the good is. Paddy Wow. Not Paddy Dow, Paddy Wow. And my comment tonight is, I want to make a, a, a question, actually. It's a question. Why, when you average 31 disposals, four clearances, seven marks, and coming off a 41 disposal game, and if, I think he's had about six of these out of the last seven games, why isn't he in the Carlton side, please? I really, I just want to, I just want to ask yourself, or Michael Voss, or... I don't know, or the Bureau of Statistics, or, or somebody, please help me clarify me. What, why, why can't my man Paddy Dow get on the ground, please? Don't I understand. I, I, I do not have an answer for you. I do not. I, I thought he would play. He's in the emergencies. I, I, don't, I don't know. Now, there's, there's forced changes left, right, and centre for this Carlton team. As we know, we're in a situation where Paddy Dow continually puts up numbers and I understand why the conversation is there, but I also understand as to why he hasn't been getting a game where they'll back in the midfield they have. Rightly or wrongly, I'll say rightly, because it's very hard to replace a guy that you know or you need specifically to be a part of your best 22 in the back end of the year, where I don't think they believe Paddy Dow can win them a big finals game or win them 
a huge game that matters, okay? That, that's the belief, and that's only from the outside looking in. We know that, well, Pitonet is obviously out, but Hewitt, Hollands, Silvani and Fisher come back in. I, I don't really know. I don't have an answer for you. I absolutely do not. I, I, I don't know if they have... They haven't addressed it today. I'm not sure if they'll address it tomorrow. I think that Paddy Dowell is a perfect example of the continual push for a mid-season trade period. I don't know how you link it in to the mid-season draft, but I think there's a way around it, which I'll give a slight little synopsis in about half hour's time. But like Paddy Dow would be playing in, in, in some AFL teams, absolutely no doubt. And the frustration he must be feeling right now, considering he continues to do what he does in the level below, continually bobs up each and every day. But I don't have an answer for you. I thought he would be in, and he's not. Well, I just want to, I just want to see him given an opportunity. Mm. Because we're, we're going to lose him. We're going to lose him to, I don't know, Collingwood or the Saints or you know, somewhere. He is a great runner. He is. He can burst out of packs. He had a great first, I think, his first and second season, he was... You know, he got a, a, a nomination for the Rising Star. The guy, look, you know what? To be honest, if Bossy doesn't like him, right? If, if it's, if it, if it, and I don't know because nobody knows. But if, if Bossy doesn't like him or somebody doesn't like him, then can they just please be transparent? Just come out and say, we don't like him. You know, he, he's no good. He's he's no good, but he is good. He is good. We need that burst of, of speed out of the packs. He can give you that. Um, just give the please, just give the boy a chance. That's all we want. Well, thanks for that. Thank you, have appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. And there is no doubt that it surprised a lot of people. I think that he hasn't had an opportunity this particular week with the injuries. Fisher and Silvani back in one three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. And the frustration the Carlton fans must think and feel about this. You can times it by two hundred. He played some good footy last year. 16, 17 games, I think he would have played last year. And it was it the year before? Yeah, it was. 2021, last year. He actually probably had similar conversations, right? This time last year about him, in particular later in the year where the form tailed off for a couple. But uh, I understand why he's not in with a with the, the full no-injury Carlton list, but I thought he might have had an opportunity tomorrow. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 That's That's right. Billings is another guy. Uh, Dean's in Burwood. Just quickly, he's been holding on. Dean, thank you, my man, for holding on. What do you got for me? Good on you, Cam. Uh, yeah, I agree with the last call. I don't know why Dow's looking at the game, but that's not ranked for. My lucky is uh, the AFL never to investigate who leaked the Hawthorne report. It will never come out, and it's ruined this whole investigation. But the AFL will never investigate the leak, which is the most important thing. And so just quickly... And I have no doubt, Dean, you're more intelligent than I am. So this is the way I read it. This is the way that I read it. That everyone continues to say there is a leak. I don't... What was leaked? Right, because there was the Hawthorne report that they did on their own on the back of, of comments made last April. And then there was the ABC report, which Russell Jackson, uh, you know, interviewed people and, and, and it's been well documented what was released in, I think it was in grand final week. Last year, so this this is. Are you talking about the leaks in the last sort of month or so that is that is has popped up in the media, or are you talking about the leaks that led to the Russell Jackson actual article? Well, yeah, the article. How, how did the report that was confidential sent from Hawthorne to the AFL then get leaked to the ABC? 
Someone, someone spilled the beans. So. But now, but we don't know for a fact that he's seen the actual report because it was, it was his own investigative journalism, right? Yeah, well, well, how do you do investigation or uh, journalism when no one's either told you a report or actually told you what's in the report? But you it, can't make things up. No, but he has spoken to people who are involved who, who, who felt that they had something to speak about and, and they had grief attached to some of the actions they believe from individuals at Hawthorne, right? So, they, 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 now, I'll I, I tell you this. I, I'm not 100% certain, this is my belief in it, that it's two separate situations. Hawthorne Football Club did a report and then Russell Jackson, now he, he may have got wind of something going at the Hawthorne Football Club and started to ask different people. So I don't think necessarily there was a leak. There might have been leaks at different points in the last sort of month or six weeks to the media and I, I don't agree with that one little bit, but I, I don't think it was a leak to Russell Jackson that had him base the report or his article around grand final week. Well, it came out not at week of the grand final, so someone's, someone's told someone that what's going on. So it's a leak, isn't it? You can't, you can't make something up. That's no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not suggesting. Hang on. So, I, I, I'm not suggesting that Russell Jackson made anything up. I'm also not suggesting that there wasn't somebody who sort of said something's brewing because that's you know these journalists have sources, right? So the Hawthorne situation report happened, and they were doing their report. Now, I'm not saying there was a leak to Russell Jackson or there might have been someone to say where there's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But somewhere along the line, Russell Jackson thought there was a story there and started doing his own investigation. So, so he's, uh, he's, he's questioned three uh, coaches. So he's on the mark with what, just guesswork. It's got to be a leak. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. Well, but, but he didn't just guess. He spoke to people who felt they were grieved. Right? Do you, so yeah. what, what he put into the article, he has spoken to the, those people. Yeah. Well, I, I don't... Well, the AFL should investigate where the uh, report comes from, shouldn't they? Because it was a confidential document. That's, that's what I don't understand. That's, the whole investigation hasn't happened because the three people that were accused never got interviewed. So the inter- how can you do an interview without interviewing people? You, you just can't do it. I, I, it sort of comes through that through. I, I say, like you say, no. So we just disagree on that. But the information has been forthcoming. But the, the people that've been accused of doing it never never got the right to be interviewed. And I, I totally disagree with that. That's a total separate issue to the Russell Jackson article, though. That might have, that that definitely, of course, propelled the fact that there had to be an independent panel brought in. And I don't. That's been an absolute shambles since then. So I, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that it's been done correctly from that level and, and, and Clarkson and Fagan and Burt absolutely deserve to give their side of the story. I'm simply saying that I don't think the Russell Jackson article that he wrote and his investigation was based off a leak originally. But it, it, I'll tell you what it is, Dino. It, is, it just sucks. The whole thing oh, 100%, sucks. 100%, regardless 100%. of which way you, you slice it up, whatever way you look at it, it absolutely sucks and uh, it, it will continue. I know the AFL... And their press conference and the announcement they made on Tuesday night happened. So um, there's a little bit of that, but uh, it just absolutely sucks. What I will do, Dean, I'll tell you what I'll do here. I will uh, leak you a prize, mate. Do you like Mexican food? I love Mexican food, yes. I'll give you a $50 Cabra voucher, all right? The go to Melbourne Mexican food. Head in there. I'll put you back out the back to Benny Lyon, mate, and appreciate your call. Thanks, Cam. Cheers, my man, Dino. Congratulations, of course. $50 Cabra voucher, the goat of Melbourne Mexican food food.
736. I'll give you another lock. Will Ashcroft will win the Rising Star. Harry Sheasel has been unbelievable. But Will Ashcroft is playing deep in the guts for a team that legitimately, absolutely, without any conversation, is in the top three. And I would say number two right now. They're the only team to beat Collingwood. Now, they were a little disappointing with the actual result on Sunday, but they let themselves down in front of goal in that third quarter. Will Ashcroft, lock it in. Rising star. I want to hear your life. It is a sporting capital. Hello to the South Australian fans. You've got a lock. The Crows, the Power or someone else, one 736 736 to get involved. John Stephenson about half hour away. The House of Ats. Fire on up there as well. We'll go back to your locks in a moment. Let's get to uh, Roland Gados because uh, the French is well and truly underway. And Alec Dimonor is on court right now. Brett Phillips, the first serve Monday nights on fire. Two hours across the SEN network. And Roland Garros, and I'm watching it right now on Stan Sport. Every match ad-free, four courts in 4K. And the Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, AATC.tennis. BP, first set, didn't exactly go the way of the young Aussie. No, he's just uh, come up with a cracking backhand in a really big game here to um, yeah, try and stay alive. He's fighting, Ken. That's the one thing about Alex mm-hmm. Demonor. You'll never, ever go away. Uh, the scoreboard just is irrelevant to Alex. He just plays point by point. But look, this guy, and I think you just said the SA listeners have jumped in here. They may remember uh, if you went to the Adelaide International uh, this year, Thomas Echeverry, uh, 49 in the world coming in, actually played Jason Kubler. I think it was almost two tiebreakers, and he made a really good impression. Uh, during that clay court swing in February, he made the final of Santiago, another final in Houston on the green clay, uh, which was just after uh, Miami, and then um, made a final of a challenger in uh, Bordeaux in the south of France uh, leading up to Paris. So, yeah, like all the South Americans, very comfortable on the surface. He's very good technically. Much improved, and uh, there's yeah, the gap between 49 and where Alex is at mm. 18 is really, really minimal. So he's jumped out of the blocks beautifully, 6-3, and this is a huge game now for Demonor to hold serve to stay ahead, uh, to get to 4-3 in the second set. So you think he really needs to get to a set apiece. I'm not sure if the Demon today can come back from two sets to love down, but yeah, his opponent... Um, He's, uh, he's playing some fr- pretty good tennis. Yeah, and it's been a nice start for the Australians, and we're going to talk about Kokonakis first because uh, the PR machine, of course, Nick Kyrgios, said you cannot miss this match, and then he tweeted he went to bed, but he should have stayed up because he got it done. He needed a little bit, Kyrgios, as well, with the uh, little bit of history between those two particular men. But what can't be overlooked is how good he was, and it's a huge win in his career. Yeah, I think it could be career-defining. Um, you know, after the heartbreak of the Murray loss at the Oz Open second round, that 4.30 finish, uh, Cam, it was great to see him get, you know, some reward. He's actually won more matches this year than he won in total last year. He didn't, he didn't play a big volume of tennis on the ATP Tour, but he and Todd Langman, his coach, um, who runs a great academy in Adelaide, they've been together for about 20-odd years since uh, Thanasi was attacker, and they're going to stay away longer this year. He said to Thanasi, if you're going to get this ranking to where it should be, because 69 is a high, doesn't justify his talent, mm. then you've got to stay on the road longer. You're going to have to grind. You're going to have to get uh, in in the mentality of really going with these top guys. And, yeah, look, Vavrinka, I mean, certainly not the gazelle he was 10 years ago when he was winning majors, but 38 years of age, still playing 
you know, such a high level with their beautiful single hander off the backhand. And yeah, Thanasi was uh, setting the break down and it looked like it was going a little pear shaped. He dug in, gets the match right in his advantage, lost a bit of momentum in the fourth and then was able to gain it back. It was a real roller coaster. And he had the whole crowd against him last night who wanted Stan the man to uh, get up knowing that it might be his last appearance at Roland Garros. So it's a big, big tick. And, you know, plays Hutchinov next, who is the big Russian, 11 in the world. You know, he's a big sort of one-two punch ball striker. So there's going to be a lot of power off the ground. But I like when Thanasi uses all the court cam. He gets forward. Um, you know, he can cut the angles. He's got the volume capabilities and... You know, he's got to sort of throw a bit of caution to the wind. He can't just sort of sit back and, and hope that Hutchinov misses in that match. It'd be huge for Kokonakis if he was able to get it. And not just about the fact that he gets into a, another day at, the, at, at a major, but the very fact that simply he would have more belief in his body. You talk about grinding and a lot of that of being on yeah. the road, his inability or his body's inability to be able to do that year in, year out, has really stifled him at different points. So uh, to be able to continually, one, win matches at, at a Grand Slam, but two, to be able to have more belief on the testing mm. of surface in his body would go a long way to his belief that his body is going to hold up to the rigours of five matches, of five-set matches in the biggest tournaments. Yeah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. He, he went through a hell of a lot, didn't trust that body and uh, missed so much tennis. And, and there was a lot going on in his mind and, you know, Todd, uh, his coach, is great to chat to. Uh, he gives you a lot. He takes you right inside, uh, you know, Thanasi's mindset. And when I was at Indian Wells this year, you know, I had the opportunity to sit down with Thanasi, and he's pretty candid, and he admitted that, you know, I get sort of bored during matches. I want to pull the trigger early. I want to finish points. My mind can, you know, uh, be elsewhere. The You know, the eyes start going in different directions. Uh, you know, he's, he's distracted. Uh, but I think he's learning to play a little bit more boring tennis at times, uh, just constructing rather than always on the offensive. So it's that, that very fine balance because that's his natural sort of instinctive way to play. But, you know, in order to get to the, the sort of the top of the men's game, you've got you to bring a few tricks. You've got to have a lot of variety in your game. And, you know, he doesn't um, uh, possess, you know, certainly the speed. I'm watching Demon or here, who hasn't got the assets that Cock and Arcus mm. have, but he's got this unbelievable competitiveness and speed to chase down everything. It's just a different mindset that's taken him, Alex, to 20 in the world. It's, you know, it's, it's a great effort. I mean, he, he mightn't get past their camp just because of the calibre of player around him. But, you know, it's a fine effort to get to the top 20. Uh, and I hope, you know, you know certainly it's a bit of a Steve Bradbury-type moment, but I hope it might come. Brett Phillips joins us. First serve, SCN tennis expert. All thanks, don't forget, to Stan Sport. Roland Garros is now streaming on Stan Sport. Every match, ad-free, four courts. In 4K. How have you seen this tournament, early doors? So much of French Open for the last, what feels like 200 years, but is really only 12 or 13, is headlined by Rafa Nadal. And, and, and whilst he has been so dominant on it, there's been a great deal of charm in that and being able to strive for greatness and him doing what he does. Now, of course, he isn't there. How have you seen the men's side of it without Rafa Nadal? Have you seen it a bit more exciting because it is slightly open, even though Novak is there? Or do you think it's lost something because the greatest clay court player of all time isn't there? Yeah, look, it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I, I obviously I'm immersed in tennis, so you're watching a lot of tennis players across all the tiers, and there is so much depth, there is so much talent. You know, uh, Seaboth Vilch who knocked out uh, Medvedev, 172 in the world, but when we've seen him play at different times, you know this guy can play. 
but he struggles for consistency, application, and you know, you're not privy to sort of behind the scenes of um, how these guys always prepare. So I think the men's game will absolutely look after itself. You know, Rafa's going to exit stage left following Roger. Novak might play for maybe another two years, three years, mm-hmm. to try and break all the records. But, you know, with El Carrez, Holgaruna, Yannick Sinner, uh, I could go on and on and on. I think we're going to be uh, we're going to be blessed. They mightn't achieve the records of those three, which may stand the test of time. But they're all going to be jockeying each other for slams, and yeah, the entertainment factor is there. They've all got a bit of personality. Uh, you know, they're, they're their own characters. They're, I think there's a little bit more edginess, you know, because Rafa and Roger always had the great mutual respect. Djokovic sort of played the villain role, but these guys now it's sort of a little throwback to sort of you know, Connors and McEnroe and you know, when Ilias the Stasi, when there was a fair bit of a niggle between the, the different uh, players at the top end. So, yeah, I think we're missing Rafa. We want to see him back out on court for a, a final swan song, but this tournament has been uh, brilliant. There's been some unbelievable five-setters. And the Parisians, they've gone up a notch. I don't know what they fed them uh, <laughs> pre-entering uh, the gates, Sir Cam, but they have created an unbelievable atmosphere. We've seen five-hour battles. Now, four-and-a-half-hour battles, last man standing affair out there. It's been great. Just before I let you go, BP, if you had to uh, have a prediction, I'm doing locks tonight in the AFL, but if you had to have a prediction on the women's side of the draw, which way would you be leaning when we're talking holding the trophy? Well, I, I certainly don't think it's a it's a fait accompli that Iga Sviantek wins. Uh, she's a two-time champion, defending world number one, but the gap is really, really closed. And the one I really love is Alina Rybakina. You know, finalist in Melbourne this year, mm. Wimbledon champion last year. She's very quiet, unassuming. I call her the quiet assassin. She bludgeons that little yellow fluffy ball, Cam. And it's beautiful timing. And she's very regal the way she is in the court. And, you know, Sabalenka gets all the attention. Eager does. But Rybakina could win this thing. And I think she's destined for really... Uh, great things across her career. But those three now, we talk about the big three in the men's game for a long time, but Sviantek, Sabalenka, Rybakina are forming some really good rivalries, which we haven't seen in women's tennis for uh, for quite a while. As always, BP, it's exciting when there's a grand slam on. It means that you barely sleep overnight in particular, but uh, for all us uh, sports fans or tennis hardcore fans, the fact that it's uh, on stand sport and four of those courts are ad-free and in 4K is great at this time of the year. Diminor trying to get it done and what? We have spoken the entire way through this game, BP, which gives an indication <laughs> for the people not watching how hardcore these two men are going at it. We uh, appreciate it as always, mate. We'll talk soon. Yeah, he's just gone 4-3 up. Come on, the demon. Thanks, Cam. There you go. Brett Phillips, SEN tennis expert, of course. The first serve on a Monday night on fire, as always. And with Roland Garros, the best way to watch it is to watch it on Stan Sport. Every match ad-free. Thursday night, we're warming up. Big game tomorrow night. The D's and the Blues to go at it. one 736 736 You've got about five more minutes to give us, or give me your lock for the AFL season. Plenty coming through on the temper text machine. Ben's in Templestowe first. Ben, hello to you. Hey, how you going? Good, my man. What do you like? I'll tell you what I don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't like Melbourne's forward line. <laughs> what is going on? Van Ruin debut AFL season 
and now we're bringing in Joel Smith, who's a defender. But either they've run out of players or they don't know what they're doing. They've dropped James Harms, who had three shots on goal last week, bringing in a defender. What's the story with Ben Brown? There's something going on in Melbourne. Well, it is interesting. You're right. I think Joel Smith might have one goal career, and I think that was about five years ago. So he will, you would think, will play forward. Do you think Tomlinson's going to come in? Oh, gee. Well, Tomlinson, Hunter and Smith are in for people who may not know. Harms has been omitted. Hibbard's injured. McDonald's got that ankle, and Jordan was the sub last week. So, I look, they're tinkering. They are tinkering, and we've got to keep in mind as well now, you obviously, Ben, you're a, you're a D's man. Yeah, that's right. Are they tinkering? Do they not know what they're doing or have they run out of players? What's the story with Brown? I, I think they're trying to unlock the best way going forward. I'm not going to say they don't know what they're doing, but this has been a constant conversation. Even when they won the flag in 2021, there was a fair bit of conversation around what works best inside 50. Now, in the end, it worked particularly well and Bailey Fritch's grand final and and the midfielder are able to kick goals at, at crucial times. I think we'll see Petrarca forward a little bit more tomorrow night. I think Smith will be inside 50. And I think the fact that they probably haven't 100% better down Grundy and Gorn also means... I, I, I heard Kane Corn saying earlier in the week, he reckons they go too tall at different times. So they might be trying to go a little, little more nimble inside 50. I think they're still tweaking certain things. And I can't answer the question about Ben Brown because I did expect him to play tomorrow night, and he isn't. When they took Petrarca uh, out of the middle, that's when Port Adelaide, uh, sorry, yep. when Frio got on top of us. It was only when he came back in mm-hmm. that we actually dominated in the third quarter, so I'm a bit worried about that. Yep, understandable um, as well. I'm not, yeah. I, I'd Could, like to know what's going on with Brown. He kicked four goals in his first two games. We haven't seen him since. Can, can, There's a rumour circulating that his back's no good, but I don't know if that's true. Well, he has had some injuries in the last couple of years, so I, I don't know how... Much truth is in that as well. What I, what I will say, though, is that uh, the Fremantle mids are going a hell of a lot better than the Carlton mids are tomorrow night. So uh, if Petrarca yeah. is to spend some time inside 50, he may not be as missed as he was last Saturday. And that, that, that midfield crew right now of Fremantle are humming. You know, they hummed all the way to a finals win last year. And you throw Luke Jackson in there, who was pretty good last, last week and has been really good, I think, in the last month or so. They are a, they are a, a pretty decent uh, middle of the ground Fremantle. And I don't think Carlton have that tomorrow night, or at least they're not in the form that Fremantle are. So uh, I think we'll see Petrarca afford a little bit. I think Joel Smith will go forward, and and hopefully they can unlock some more goals out of their midfield. But I think they'll win. But you're right; it's an ongoing conversation. It has been for a couple of years, even with the success they've had. Are we worried that Melbourne's lost two in a row or are we amazed that we've got as close as we did against two teams that are travelling well? I, we'll find out tomorrow night, I look, think. I think legitimately Melbourne will be at a minimum in a prelim in this particular year. I, I think that they will get humming in the second half of the year. They are 7-4. and four. We had this conversation earlier with a couple of listeners. And if people continually are telling me that Port Adelaide can win the flag, which I don't... 100% disagree with. Well, Port Adelaide had the, Melbourne had them stone cold. And if Clayton Oliver didn't get injured and couldn't get near it in the last quarter due to the hamstring, then we're probably talking about Melbourne in a much different light. And it was a three point game in a monsoon at different points. So, I, I, again, the pessimism of a football fan rises up in these situations. I don't brag for Melbourne. And I understand that there's some disappointment attached to 
how we thought they were going to be playing considering what they did in the first 10 weeks last year. But I, I think they'll be OK. We're a better side with Harms in, I think. And thank God for Bailey Fritz. There, we go. there you go. Bailey Fritz has been the one consistent inside 50. Thank you, Benny Boy. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. as we run out of time almost. Uh, now, here we go off the text. Dave. Dean Famosa's 500th game at Auburnvale this weekend. Dino, that's a huge effort. I played a couple of junior games. My first under-nine game was at Auburnvale. Played a couple of years there when I lived in the area. So, Dave, good luck to Dean. His 500th game is an unbelievable effort. Uh, my lock, Alir and Butters, All-Australian. It's a good call. Absolutely, Alir has been great. And Butters, you can lock that in, certainly. Lock West Coast in for the spoon, I'll agree. Cam, absolutely locking Gold Coast to make the finals for the first time in club history. Needing to win by percentage against North Melbourne in Tassie in round 24. There you go. Boyd from Redgum. Absolute lock. I'll be having a Scotch filler tomorrow night. Nice way to end a week. Lock in. Nick Larkey wins the Coleman. I'm doing locks and long shots a little different to tonight on the Armchair Experts on Channel 7 tomorrow night after the game. And one of my long shots is that Larkey wins the Coleman. Having a good good year. John doesn't believe to go is. Ahead of Bont, Petrarca, Oliver, or Butters, I'm going to say he is. Jordan Ngoi's year has been unbelievable. I've got a lock. This is from Spider. Cats to finish sixth. Dogs to finish seventh. Cats then to whinge about not being able to play the Dogs at GMHBA Stadium. Until the stadium is finished, Geelong can't make that argument. But once it is fully completed, then it's a different conversation in some aspects. And lock it in. The two grand finalists from last year in Geelong and Sydney will both miss the eight. Lock it in as well. John Stephenson's up next.